No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. Am I on? Oh, wow. Wow, Friday's really short. Hi, right, guys, this is the Dr. Friday Show. Poor Matt behind the boards thinking this girl's crazy. I was so busy talking to my guests today that we got sidetracked. So you are live on radio with Dr. Friday. Um, I have in the studio here with me Hank Parrott with uh, Estate and Financial Strategies. You guys all know who he is. He's on the show oh, about every six to eight weeks. And so uh, we'll, we'll get focused here. And- Fun. <laughs> We made it. We made it. it. Talk about live radio. Boy, that was a rough start. All right. So, Hank, we're live. We're here. Uh, So, people, if you want to join the show, you can. 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. Taking your calls live. Talking about my favorite subjects, which is money, obviously. Refine it down just a little bit. We are talk about taxes. I know a lot of people will say tax season is over, but we all know the tax season is obviously not over for many of us because we haven't filed our taxes yet. They're called extensions. That's if you right. did not file an extension, you better be filing your taxes very, very soon because penalties will be assessing for failure to file. Unless you don't owe any money, then you get lucky. But most people that file extensions, well, I hate to say it, are usually ones that owe money. So you want to make sure you've already paid the money. Keep in mind that filing late is only on paperwork with a legitimate extension. So if you owe money, you need to go ahead and get that paid in and deal with that. Or if you've got questions, maybe you're dealing with a financial planner. Maybe they're asking you questions or maybe you're thinking, now's the time to maybe reevaluate my financial planning. And maybe I do annuities. Should I be in stocks? Should I be in bonds? The market is a crazy place, a place I don't want to join. That's why I bring Hank in here because, you know what, uh, last thing I want to do is look at my portfolio half the time because you're either really, really happy or really depressed, it seems like. It just isn't a middle-of-the-road kind of thing. You well, know? my market's been volatile. We've had, I mean, the last quarter of last year was really volatile. And then we, I mean, you know, in the negative way that we don't, the, the part of volatility we don't like when it's heading down quite a bit. And then, of course, the first quarter of the year, we had a nice, nice positive volatility where the market went up quite a bit. And then we've got uh, May and um, April, May, a little less, you know, right right now, May in particular has been very volatile. So this last, I think we've got like four weeks running of uh, negative returns in the market. Um, it seems like my bank keeps pushing more better interest rates than right. the, what they have in the past. So interest maybe is going up a little bit. I mean, are we able to get a little better deal on our money or mortgage? Well, interest rates, as far as uh, short-term like, rates and in in CD rates, um, are are better. Three to five year range, definitely better. You get out longer term, it actually doesn't benefit you. So, yeah. if you're looking at three to five year rates on uh, whether it's CDs or fixed annuities or um, any any instrument out there that's paying interest, notes and the like. Uh, what you're seeing basically is that a um, around three years, probably you can find rates as good as three percent a year for three mm-hmm. years, uh, up to four percent a year for four years. Excuse me, for five years. And um, beyond that, though, if you went with a seven year or a ten year, you're not you're not, not really seeing any really major any real value, and probably that. not necessarily a great idea. All right, let's go to the phones. We've got Brandon. Hello, Brandon. How are you, Doctor? I am awesome. Now that I'm on the radio and. Not sitting to dead air. 
<laughs> it's a beautiful Anyways, day out here today. So well, my my, que- my question was, uh, how many acres uh, do you have to have, or how less acres do you have to have to, to write off maybe as a farm subsidiary, uh, like uh, for, say, for instance, you farm so many acres, how many acres are you allowed to write off on your income tax? And another question I have is a, a young lady that works with my wife. She has uh, five acres that they actually live on, and she was telling my wife some way or another she writes that off for uh, her income tax. I, and I don't, I don't understand that. I, I thought maybe you might know. Well, yeah, there's two sides to that. First, you have what's called the green belt. So anyone that has more than 15 acres can qualify in the green belt, which basically means there are some property tax um, situations where you can get a little less. You can qualify co-ops for certain things. So if you have 15 plus acres or more, um, there are some advantages both in grants and in discounts uh, that you have. If you have less than 15 acres, you can still have a legitimate farm. Um, there are people that, you know, have two or three acres and they've planted them with fruit trees that every year, you know, will produce or nut trees or, or different things like that. Um, some will have farm animals. Uh, maybe they have goats that they have and they're able to produce milk and whatever cheese and different products from it uh and and you don't necessarily have to have a large number of acres especially if you're willing to feed the animals um uh, on that kind of situation so it really just depends on what you're growing what you're producing um and and you do need to be selling according to like farm credit and some of those you need to have more than five hundred dollars of income coming in to be considered a, a farm i guess you would say so you need to be selling something be it chicken, eggs, something to to make you a farm. Okay, well, I appreciate your answer and uh, the rest of the day. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. All right, Hank, we are back to questions that I have for you. So I guess one of the big questions that are often from my listeners or people that come in my office is, you know, why do I I need a financial person? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know – they, they, you know, how they get paid. Tell a little bit about what your business, how you get paid, and kind of your fiduciary responsibilities and things. So I think people get confused a little bit about how all that works. Sure. So one of the things, as, an, as a registered investment advisor, I'm a, a fiduciary, which basically the legal standard for fiduciaries is that you have to put your client's interests ahead of all others, including your own. So that's, that's step one. Uh, and that's a legal standard. So it's not the same as the suitability standard that you might have with a registered rep or someone working at a broker-dealer uh, in that capacity. So they are uh, – the suitability is quite a bit different. You know, I could say that I can give you a bicycle to ride home and, and that might be suitable. But uh, in your best interest may be to have that, uh, that Hummer out there to exactly. drive home with. <laughs> so – one of the things when it comes to the fiduciary part, again, acting in your best interest, and the other is that we're looking to, uh, in terms of the value an advisor can add to you, there's a lot of different things. One of the things that comes into play has to do with being your coach, being you know helping you with regard to your planning. I can, when I work with my clients, we do a comprehensive plan up, so they first come in, we're looking at their income, we're looking at their expenses, we look at their uh, what kind of tax rates they're going to be paying. We add in for inflation on the expenses. We take a look at their investments. We do a stress test uh, analysis of their investments to see how they would hold up and how they're doing, um, both with regard to returns as well as risk and volatility. Uh, and then we, we do a projection. We can do projections for you. We can show you 
the based on the things you're doing, what your financial future is going to look like 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. So you can see in advance, are you going to be okay? Are you going to be able to retire when you want to? That's one of the biggest questions people ask when they come in is, can I, I want to retire in the next year, two years, three years, five, whatever it is. Will I be able to without having to worry about running out of money during my lifetime? And right. we can show you that. And, and, if it do, and if it doesn't work, we can show you how to make it work. So that's a big part of it. So, well. Yeah, and, and that's why I think – and so while we have the phone line open and everything, right. if you want to join the show, you can. If you've got questions for Hank or questions about taxes or maybe some big decisions that are coming up, maybe you've got some property you're going to sell, maybe you're thinking about starting a business, pick up the phone, 615-737-9986, the number here in the studio. Hank, you have a special offer you can offer my listeners, don't you? There we go. That's right. So if you want to – if you'd like to – Take advantage of getting a comprehensive plan done for yourself at no charge. And I typically charge $1,000 to $5,000 to do this kind of planning. For the first 10 callers, however, to my office today, that number is 615-376-5325. First 10 callers, you'll be able to get a free comprehensive plan. So it's not just a free consultation to come in and hang out for a little bit and answer some questions. We're actually going to do a plan for you. We'll send you out a checklist of things you'll need to bring to your appointment with me when you come in, I'm going to do all those things I was just talking about, investment analysis, tax planning, estate planning. We cover all the assets, in, in Social Security questions, Medicare questions, everything. Uh, we get into basically with comprehensive planning, you're covering all the bases that are going to affect you during retirement, all these different choices you're going to have to make. And I can show you based on those choices. Like for instance, if, do I take Social Security at right. 62 or 66 one. or you know, when would be the best time? I can show you the outcome of that decision based on say, okay, well, let's do 62. I'll run a report for you, and I can show you how much money you'll have based on that 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And then we'll compare it with waiting and taking it at a later date. And so it makes it easy. You can just compare the numbers. You'll see that there'll be a break-even point, typically uh, around your mid-70s to, uh, mid to uh, early 80s. That's part of it. We can help you make better choices because you'll know the outcome of the choice before you make it. And that's always a huge question, you know, yep. a lot of times people. And, again, you know, as a tax person, mm-hmm. you really don't want to be asking me those questions, right? I can tell you what part of it's going to be taxable, yep. you know, and how much or what income you can have or what you can take out of your retirement to keep it from being taxable. Those kind of numbers, we often uh, work together on crunching that kind of information. But uh, if you're going to someone like a tax person or whatever and saying, hey, if I take my Social Security, is that a good idea? Not the person you really want to be asking because my answer is always going to be probably no because it's going to become taxable, especially if you're working still and then want to take your Social Security. But Hank may have a big picture. That's what I always love about working with Hank is that Mine is instant gratification, right? I'm looking at this given year or maybe the next year. But most of the time, I'm not working very rarely on someone five years out. Yeah, when we're doing you know? estate planning and financial planning and meeting with the people every year, exactly. usually two, three, four times a year, we're always reviewing. So, you know, when we do up the plan and we get that in place initially, then right. there's still, you got to keep it on track. You got to keep checking in and making and sure. And that's one of the things I do want to really push because if you haven't met in the last year with your ta- with your financial planner, the individual that's supposed to be helping, we had huge tax changes. Um, some people, I mean, I'm assuming that some of these, because the tax bracket did drop, it may have changed the way you might have decided to do some things, right? Maybe take a little bit more out of financials and turn them into Roths because the 12% tax bracket gave them the ability to do what used to be at 15, 3% could save quite a bit of money yeah. or whatever else, maybe contributing to a Roth instead of to an IRA if you're still working because, again, you're in that 12% and what 
might not have been a good plan turned into being a good plan. So really sitting down and making sure that information is, uh, I think, really, really important. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Hank. You can join the show live, though. If you've got questions about taxes, money issues, I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and negotiation. So if you've gotten some love letters, give us a call, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. Live in studio, I'm Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation. So if you're getting those love letters or maybe you haven't filed any taxes for a period of time, I'm your girl. You want to give us a call. Also, I've got Hank Parrott in my office. It's my radio station today. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good. Nice office. Thank you. You like that? Yeah. 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 Everyone hears everything we say. All yeah. right. So <laughs> not too unusual in my world bad, anyways. Right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the phone lines and hit Gary first. Hey, Gary. Yes. What can I do for you, sir? Well, uh, years ago, I, I participated in a retirement savings plan that the company had for me, and I contributed uh, after-tax dollars to it, and subsequent company took over this plan, and they ended up putting it inside of a 401k after, or, you know, the mm-hmm. pre-tax. Mm-hmm. And it's all mixed up together now. And I don't know how to get it out and, and still have it uh, before tax money. So he had an after-tax rate. He put money in yeah. and an after-tax. Uh, so you've got after-tax in a 401K. And right. is this your current employer? Uh, it is now. Well, I, I, I actually, I, uh, I rolled it over to an IRA recently. Oh. And when I rolled it over to an IRA, the vast majority of it, 99%, was yeah. was was separated out from two percent of it and i'm assuming that two percent of it is that pre-tax money but i just don't know all right well here's i don't i'm not sure on that part you're describing but let me let me give you how the rules work if you've got four if you've got uh if you would have had an old employer money and you had after-tax contributions and you rolled it into a new employer and it's all in a 401k still uh and it and it and it's um and you've got after-tax contributions in there when you roll it into the IRA, what you would want to do is you want those after-tax contributions to go into a Roth IRA and the, and the um, pre-tax to go into a traditional IRA. That way, uh, you don't have to pay. You, you've separated them out so that after-tax dollars now, the, the double benefit, you won't have to pay tax on them. And, of course, they'll grow tax-free. So that's the way it would it, it you know, would what we would want to do. That's the way that you would normally do that. Um, and your advisor should have advised you on that before rolling it into a um, IRA. Because if you roll it, if you roll it out without doing that, if you roll the after-tax in with the pre-tax, now you're going to have to every from now on out, you're going to have to track it because when you take money out, it's and going to. And he's got to show how much of it was actually yep. taxed and how after much tax, and it's going to be prorated as it comes out based on how much is after and how much is pre-tax. So, unfortunately, every year now, um, when you take money out of that IRA, they're going to be you're going to have to track those after-tax contributions as a part of how much came out and paid uh, to avoid paying tax on it again because you've already paid tax on it. Yeah, do you have any documentation, Gary, that shows that it was actually contributed with after-tax dollars? It's it's too long ago. How yeah. long was? How long do you know? 
Oh, you don't know how much the – no, the, the custodian tracks the after-tax dollars. But he at the 401k. It over. Well, you can so go back to the 401k people. They should be – in fact, they should have told you, you know, in calling them up and making the arrangements to do the rollover, they should have told you then what the after-tax contributions were. When we well, roll monies from a 401k, we always ask that question, how much is after tax? And the custodian has to know that. They're supposed to track that from custodian to custodian. Would the IRS be told that yearly? I mean, is there anything? The IRS that's... isn't necessarily, okay. but the custodian has to track those for you. And uh, if they didn't have it because they didn't get it from the prior custodian, then you go back to the prior custodian to get it. I'm, I'm afraid that's just too long ago. How long ago was this rollover done? Uh, this would be back in uh, early 90s. It, not, it wasn't a rollover. The, the new company just took over the old savings plan, right. but the new plan was a 401K. The old one was a retirement savings plan. And, this, and the retirement savings plan had after-tax contributions, monies that you put in that you'd already it, it paid did. tax on? It did. Um we can. I mean, I can help you try to, you know, try to track that. If you want to call my office, I'll, you know, take a look at what paperwork you have and see if we can go back. We've done it with cost basis before. We may be able to do it with this. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have any uh, documentation of that past savings plan that I had. Do you have the amount when it was rolled over to the four hundred one k or taken over? You would have gotten uh, statements. I don't. Doesn't have any paperwork on it. Do you know who the custodian was? Are they still in business at all? Probably not. It was a uh, cow span. Uh, they, they're probably not around anymore. Well, what I would try to do, if I could come up with anything to show me a value that would show those after-tax contributions, um, and when are you at age 70 and a half as yet, by any chance? Uh, no, but I'm 59 and a half, and Have I you took taken that any... money out. Uh, I just did that recently. You, you took, took it out of the out 401K? Of... Oh, the IRA. Well, it's an IRA oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. You're right. Oh, the IRA. So you used you the money. You cashed it out? Well, they separated it out for some reason, but they never would tell me why. So I just uh, turned 59 and a half and withdrew it. Going to okay. find out. So you're going to end up at this point, the IRS is going to be notified and you're going to have to pay tax on all of it. Because unless you can document that that was ever after tax, they're not going to have any documentation as far as I can tell. I mean, a 5,500 should have been filed by the trustee of the 401k that would have identified how much was pre-tax and after-tax. But anytime I've ever handled these in the audits, it's always fallen back on us to prove yeah. where that money came from. Otherwise, they're going to consider it all taxable as far as I know, Gear, Sorry. And that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Is I'll get my 1099 at the end of the year, and it's all going to be listed as taxable. I and they so. suggested I see a tax advisor about that. Yeah, well, and – you're kind of calling us, but the problem is unless you know who the custodian was, somewhere we could start and then obviously go backwards and try to find that information, there's not going to be a whole bunch of hope. Uh, I'm assuming that, you know, the people that you is handling the IRA, you know who the 401k was with because then you rolled it into an IRA, right? How, so you have those two. How long ago two. did you cash out the IRA? Just now, recent this year, because he said well, he hasn't how, received How long year. ago, though? I cashed out the IRA you or 401k, you, you mean? Well, you said that the 401k was rolled, if I got this right, Gary, yes. you, you said the 401k was rolled into an IRA and that you yes. just recently cashed out the IRA and took the money out. Is that correct? Recently cashed out that portion that I think is the tax exempt or the after tax. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't just, you can't determine how much and just take out an amount you think is not taxable. That's not the way the rules work on it. They prorate it. 
Um, do you know how? Well, how much? Let's see. On the uh, how long ago was it you took out that amount though? Uh, I was uh, probably within the last couple weeks. Excellent. You, there's a 60 day rollover rule. So what what we can do is we can put that money back. If you put the money back within 60 days of taking it out, you at least now we've stopped any potential tax issues. Okay. Okay. And that means, and then we go back and we try to fix this uh, with regard to getting, at least finding out if we can establish is within a reasonable amount of, you know, range of dollars, what we believe those um, pre-tax dollars, excuse me, after-tax dollars to be, then we set up a distribution where it's going to be prorated, though. I can, you know, if it's yeah. all been rolled into an so IRA So if you've got 200000 and 50 of it is after-tax or whatever dollars, they're going to take one-fourth yeah, and consider you, it or whatever. Yeah, if you if you do it, you know, when it went from the 401K, at the time that the 401K was rolled to the IRA, it been that's split. when you have to separate part them. Into the if Roth you part. don't separate them at that point, they get rolled together, it's too late. We right. cannot now that, separate them. That's what I'm saying. They did keep something separate, but they wouldn't tell me what it was. Well, when you say kept it separate, they own, they'd either you send a you a check or you, is it money still in the 401k? It it was. It was in two separate. It was in two separate cat- categories, but they weren't labeled as anything. Okay. But Here's what I'm going to suggest because it's a little hard on this one. Yeah. My suggestion would be, Gare, is to give Hank a call and you could bring whatever documentation you might have and see if he can help you maybe locate where to move forward at least since this is his expertise. I'll be giving his phone number out in just a minute, but we've got to hit another break here, okay? Very good. Thanks, uh, sir. Appreciate it. Unfortunately, it's on the radio. It's yeah, hard for us I to know. follow there's, through there's on one of those there. kind of situations, but I think it would be easier, and he may – it was getting a little more complicated at the end there, where it sounds like there is two accounts, maybe one of them was the other. So anyways, uh, if you want to reach out to Hank and set up an appointment, either first 10 callers, you also get a copy of his book. You also get to find out if you're doing a decent job. And if you've got a great financial planner and yet you still haven't uh, gotten a second opinion, how do you know this person's so great? Just because your money's growing doesn't mean it's safe. Wait till the downturn. You'll find out. Might be a little late. So give him a call. 615-376-5325. Again, 615-376-5325. And that way you can set up a free consultation just for me. And he'll give you all this information. There's a whole checkoff list uh, that you're going to need. Not that big, but enough to actually give him the information to find out. Are you in a good place? Is my money in a safe place? Is it going to continue to grow even if the downturn happens? Am I diversified? They love to use that word, right? Diversified <laughs> enough to find out. Um, those are kind of the important things yeah. that people need to know, right? Yeah, I mean, the checklist is just what you would expect. It's a checklist of things like your statements and things like that. It's we'll the budget do part that I don't like. Investment analysis, lifestyle expenses. expenses lifestyle rather. expenses. There we go. We, we want to make sure you can attain and maintain your standard living quality of life no matter how long you live. Yes. And yeah. when most people do this, is it pretty eye-opening? You know, most of the time when we do it, it's yeah, they're seeing the, the risks that are there. They can see the stress in, or you know, as far as their future goes, if it's going to work. And then we talk about things. And it's not just about maintaining standard living. We're talking when you retire every day, Saturday, right? It's a weekend. <laughs> I get to have more time. I can do things. That's I spend more money. That's what retirement's supposed to be. That's it. So oh, we want you to have stop. some fun money as a part of that as well. So go. we budget that in. As we put that in your in your uh, planning, we say, well, here's what you got now. 
Here's, let's see, what if you had an extra 1000 a month or 2000 a month or whatever it would be for you? And there's your fun money. Now it's not just about surviving in retirement, right? We want to thrive. We want to have fun. We want to enjoy life. So that's the yeah. planning is to when help When we come back, that. we're going to talk a little bit about how the government does a plan for our money and how, uh, sure. how well that's working. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. If you want to join the show, it's very easy to do. Pick up your phone, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Such a beautiful day out there. I know some of you guys are probably just chilling, enjoying this. Uh, if you uh, want to know some staggering information, this was something uh, um, we do a, a show on Fridays, Hank's show, a Retirement Report on News Channel 5, and we did it last Friday, and uh, Hank is very well um, if you ever meet Hank, he's got lots of papers, right? Lots, <laughs> lots of paper. This boy likes to carry around everything, research, copies it, research, and, and triplicate, and he sends those nicely to my office before the show. And I thought this one was one of the fun ones. It says, this year, Washington will spend a staggering $35,148 per household, but they will collect 26677 per household in taxes. Does anyone have an issue with this? We're spending thirty-five, yet we're only collecting twenty-six. All my entrepreneurs, self-employed people—I know a ton of you guys listen. Um, if we ran our businesses like this, we would not make it through the first six months. We can't afford a what four thousand to almost nine thousand dollar deficit per household. This is why the debt keeps going up, right? And here's what we're spending that money on. This is what makes up most of the thirty-five thousand. So we have anti-poverty program is about sixty-four, almost sixty-five hundred dollars, which is you know the state Medicare, um, health care for poor, lower income spending, temporary assistance for needy families. You know all the different different things that are needed there. Um, and then defense is the next one, fifty-three twelve. Yep. $5,312. So of that 35000 this is the breakdown per household. You are contributing five, over $5,000 yeah. for defense. That, that one I'm okay with, actually. That one I feel better well, about. Yeah. So the next Interest one's the one that's... Interest on the national debt, right? <laughs> Interest on the national debt, which the federal government is $22 trillion in debt. It owes $17 trillion to public bond owners and the rest of other federal agencies, et cetera, et cetera. 33000 I mean... Some people's mortgage interest yes. on their own home is less than the interest so that we have to pay taxes, of our tax dollars. Of those taxes you pay, of you personally, your household Just our pays household, yes. $3,000 of that is going to pay off interest rather yeah. on the debt, not even pay off the debt, just and carry then, yeah. interest. The next one, um, yeah, VA benefits. I, it seems low compared to many things. Yes, yeah. I'm more than – and uh, federal employee retirement health Interesting. and benefits. This is just the federal employees, yeah. not not other people, federal employees. Educational. Um, again, I, I don't have a problem. K-12 to mm-hmm. comes from Washington, et cetera. Uh, Justice Administration, $517. Health and Research, 533 Highway and mass transit. Now, see, I thought most of that came out of our Petro fees, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess 18, it all still goes into por- the generals. Yes, exactly. So in addition, most of these costs, the, in the gas tax being part of it, they subtract an administrative cost and then send the money back to the states and numerous strings of that. So basically, yes, you get some of that back after they've taken out their cut. Right. Yes. Little, little interest on that for the. For so, the and then we have uh, international affairs four hundred twenty-two. That adds up to about thirty-three k. The remaining fifteen hundred is 
allocated to other federal programs. Um, so, you know, again, it doesn't seem – I mean, again, I have no problem defense budget, mm-hmm. no problem with even the poverty. I mean, all those – The things that we – there are certain things, yes. But – Here's the other part the of The dollar amount. How are 6, you going to pay 6500 per a household for poverty or yes. for the – I mean, that seems really high. Yeah. I mean, how many people are we supporting That's with this kind highest, of program? That's the actually, yeah. This is not – Social Security. This isn't mm-hmm. something like this. I mean, where a lot of people say it's a government program. I never believe Social Security. Uh, payroll I mean, taxes. Payroll this is taxes. Not, this is your food stamp, your low income, your uh, housing subsidy, your child support subsidies, mm-hmm. all of those different things uh, for lower income. So it's kind of interesting. Okay, here we go. We got someone on the phone line real quick. Hey, Roger. Good afternoon. What can I do for you, sweetie? Yes, ma'am. I wanted to ask you a question. Um, there was a couple of times. Uh, about six months ago, I had to go to my local bank and make a withdrawal uh, out of my own account. Um, the first withdrawal, I think it was something like $9,500. And a couple of weeks later, I went back, and it was somewhere about the same amount. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the end of the week, I get a call from my local bank requesting me to come in and talk with the lady at the bank. And I asked her why over the phone. She said, well, I don't want to discuss it over the phone. Can you come in? I said, yes, ma'am. So I went into the bank. And she was asking me these questions. Why was I drawing out my own money? Uh, And, you know, because of, I guess, the amount. But it wasn't coming from her. It was coming from her bosses out of New York. Something, I guess it threw a flag up or something that I was drawn two different times. Roger, quite, how quite old are you? Money. Uh, Ballpark. I'm 59 years old. Okay, so you're okay. And I would assume that taking out $9,500 on a monthly basis is not typical behavior for you? Well, yeah. I, I deal in antiques. Oh, okay. You know, the okay, side. So, and, I mean, so, I, I do a lot of stuff like that. I deal in properties. Okay. So, so you do. Why is it that you want – I'm sorry. Why does it want – money out they want to question your own money okay so what they're looking for is two things they're looking for uh on one hand they're looking for money laundering okay people put Uh money in and then they take out big lumps and then you know the the banks have certain you know the 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 irs has rules that they have to follow normally it's more depositing that people hear about it but it's also withdrawing um anytime you're in around that ten thousand dollar mark they consider that the potential. I mean, you know, again, and normally it's behavior. There's a reason. There's a reason. If yeah, you, it's behavior a, a lot of times. As yeah. well, if you, if you take out over 10000 or more, yeah. there's a report that the bank has to make to the IRS with regard to that withdrawal so that they, you know, that's, that's like a red flag. People taking out just under that 10000 raise other red flags because that's typical money laundering type of activities that terrorists and drug people do so yeah and that's kind of getting caught up in that that and these uh, i think they're probably just looking at your account and they're just not seeing that kind i mean because i know myself the problem is i i i get into properties and pay cash for those properties so a lot of times the difference is many times i'm wiring the money so the bank knows exactly where it went but a couple times i've done auctions and i've had to take cashier's checks and you know pretty good, you know, thirty-five, dollars $85,000 into a cashier check. And 90% of the time, unfortunately, I'm redepositing that money back in because I don't win the auction. But that being said, Roger, I do know that a lot of times having that, you know, if you're going in, you might want to have that discussion uh, or even on the memo of the check that you're cashing, 
put, you know, antique purchase, something like that, that just gives them the idea, you know, they, they need to know. Because a lot of times if you just put cash on one of your checks and you do this, they may be looking at the consistency that this guy's normal income may not be this. So, therefore, why is he bringing in money? Because I'm assuming you also sell antiques, so you probably make sometimes some fairly decent purchases, right? I mean, so I'm thinking, do you put cash in the bank as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's it's really I mean I hate to say this and I'm not a big person for regulations to be quite honest most people know that about me but in all honesty I think it's probably more for your protection to make sure that a somebody isn't impersonating you and trying to take money out of your account you know uh, but on the other hand since you're obviously doing this quite often um, I think we just lost Roger but yep. you know financial that is institutions the other side. well this is the other thing financial institutions are required yeah. Exactly. To track these things, and if they don't, if they have, a, you know, if that did turn into an, an illicit activity, an illegal activity, and they activity, don't have the documentation, they, they would have be liable. Be, right. Well, it's funny he brought that up because BB and T is purchasing SunTrust, right? SunTrust mm-hmm. I've been with for twenty plus years. Right. All of my companies are with SunTrust. Had a guy call me up the other day, and apparently. They have to have certain documentations now, all mm-hmm. in all. And, I mean, Williams, Williams, and Williams, and Dr. Friday been around for 20 years, right. you know, and they're calling me and they're sending me emails. He's telling me who he is. And I'm like, oh, my God, what do I, you know, I mean, you don't have this already on file, but they needed my, me to basically attest that I was the president of this company, that this company right. did this, that they, they, they had this whole questionnaire that I had mm-hmm. to complete about my company. And you're sitting yeah. there going, thought you would know this by now. I mean, it's not like I haven't been with you. And so I was a little bit peeved off that my own bank didn't know what I did. But, you know, all in all, my my sister also works in the industry and she's like, you know, you just need to chill out and just do what they need. They're probably getting ready to audit Mm -hmm. them because before the merger, they probably have to be audited to make sure all bank accounts meet compliance. And maybe 20 years ago, this wasn't compliance when I opened these. So I I understand them a little bit. All right. So, Hank, really quick. Yes. Tell them one more time what our offer is. There you go. First 10 callers to my office, 615-376-5325. Again, we're going to do a free comprehensive financial plan. This doesn't usually happen in one visit. It's typically going to be about three visits to be able to go through all of that and do that upright for you. But I can show you your financial future based on things you're doing, answer your questions, make sure again that you're able to attain and maintain your standard living and quality of life no matter how long you live. And when you call that number, 615-376-5325, someone will take your information. They're standing by on the phones. They'll get your information I will send you out a checklist of things to bring to your appointment with me. And when you come in to see me, I'll give you a free copy of my book, Seven Steps to Financial Freedom and Retirement. There you go. There you go. Awesome deal. Uh, So if you want to join the show, again, we'll be here for the next uh, 15 minutes or so. You can join us, 615-737-9986. We'll be talking about interesting things like where does your tax dollars go? Oh, and maybe you might be interested to find out that some of that money might not be uh, being spent like you think because according to statistics, something about kids, right, Hank? Something about grandchildren and the cost of grandchildren uh, coming up. And we'll talk a little bit about how how expensive that might be coming up out of your pocket, something you might want to consider. So we're going to take a quick break. Again, you can join the show, 615-737-9986. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. All right, we 
are back live in studio. I'm Dr. Friday, an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes, representation. So if you have gotten love letters, maybe you haven't filed taxes for a number of years, you're not sure exactly what you should do next, I'm your girl. You want to give me a call, and I'll put my you get my phone number out there in a little while. But if you got questions, you can join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. So here's something I thought was interesting also. Grown children may be hazardous to your wealth. Baby boomers redefine parenthood over the past few decades, often serve as friends and confidence as well as the bankers for their children. Here's something. In 2015, American parents spent over 233000 on an average from birth to 17. Well, it doesn't seem too crazy. Um, but now they're saying that it's welcome financial lines between childhood and early is being blurred. Average age of 18 to 34 are saying it's hard to become financially independent than it was in previous generations. 70% of parents agree. Now, I'm not too sure about everyone else, but obviously being the youngest of eight, I was pretty darn spoiled, especially considered my sister the oldest of eight, would say. Um, But, uh, you know, taking care of oneself, I think now it's just that parents have a harder time saying no, especially if you've met some of your financial goals and you want to make sure your kids get the best of the best. Um, I mean, maybe they aren't living off of hot dogs or, you know, sharing um, a house with multiple people because when you first move out, you can't afford the rent by yourself um, or having a car that you paid $500 for. Yeah, these are things that most of us start out. So when you really do buy your first new car, and sometimes it's not actually new, it's new to you, um, or one that doesn't require you to have to, uh, you know, glue together with a little super glue to keep it going, then... Those are huge steps, right? First time you get a a, a car, first time you live in your own home, first time, you know, these were first times that you had earned. And I think a lot of times parents just don't want to see. And I have this in my family. Again, I am the youngest of eight. Some of my nieces and nephews never even had a used car, have moved from home to college to uh, down payments on their first homes coming from parents, Um, you know, weddings and everything else. So I, I just think that, Every generation wants their children to have something a little bit more or a little bit better. And that's great. But are we giving that generation the hunger for wanting to achieve? Or is it easier just to tell mom and dad, I'm having a rough road. Can you send me some money? Uh, Again, being the youngest of eight, there wasn't a lot of money in our family, but there was a lot of support. Um, So, you know, again, it just really comes down from where you raised and how you were raised um, and, and that independence was a big part of what we all wanted. You know, you wanted to go off to college and prove that you were going to be, you know, good at whatever you chose to do. Um, I'm not saying sometimes a lot of people know me and have known me what for the last 20 years. Some of my clients, my parents and I lived together uh, until I lost them about six years ago. So, you know. That's not the same. We all worked. We all contributed. We purchased homes. We did things. Um, but, you know, being a partner with your, in business with your parents isn't a bad thing. And I'm not saying against that because everyone knows I wouldn't have Dr. Friday Tax and Financial Firm without my parents. Um, my dad was an accountant. He taught me what I didn't learn in college. Um, he taught me straight out. So these were important things. And my mom was the marketer. She's the one that actually started, got me on the radio and the TV and all those things years and years ago. So, um, again, you know, these things were things that I was 
fortunate enough. So working and building and achieving things with family, nothing against that. I just think sometimes, you know, you've got to got to be afraid your car is going to get repoed if you're going to willing to work a second job to keep that from happening you know i mean um so you gotta you gotta have a little of that fear if you're going to get that hunger to want to do more or be stronger so um right now uh what's going on we, we've got some new tax things first thing i want to say is if you'd like you can go to the drfriday.com website um if you did not get the refund especially for all of you that have w-2s um, and you don't feel that you got the refund you normally have. And a lot of times people, the refund is also reflected on how much money you paid in. And a lot of people paid in less because you got a bigger paycheck every week, every biweekly, every month, whatever it was. So that bigger paycheck reduced what you normally get back in taxes. That being said, if you ended up owing money, there is a calculator. The IRS has put out a new one and I have set up a link on my homepage, drfriday.com, that you can click if you want to double check. Mostly if you work multiple jobs, you and your husband both work. um, And again, you ended up maybe owing or breaking even and not getting kind of refunds you usually get, then double check what it says you should be claiming. Most likely you're claiming, I don't know, married in three and you should be claiming married in two or married in one. Um, and that way then you can solve the issue of dealing with uh, anything else. And also don't be surprised if the IRS has sent out letters to your uh, employers. Uh, big change. One of the things the IRS is doing is mandating employers to claim single and zero on people that have IRS issues. Um, it may not be a bad plan for some, but um, if you haven't filed your taxes – and the IRS has done some assessments, and maybe you really don't owe the money that they say you do, but at this point, you really haven't communicated that to them, guess what? You are going to now have to maybe switch from, maybe you're claiming married in two because you're married with two children, but the IRS is saying since you're not paying in enough, you're going to have to go to single and zero uh, until otherwise notified. Um, So, these kind of things are coming down. If you owe more than 50000 another letter you probably received recently is saying that you can no longer or you may not qualify for a passport. Um, had a case that came in my door. The individual, um, for the, for a living, they travel and they, they do things overseas, um, and they have a, a situation where they owe some past IRS issues that we're, we're scrambling to make sure of because they're on their way to Peru to do some um, – help with the the poor and and things like that and you know this kind of thing is doable to can change but really guys the biggest thing is communication if you wait till that letter comes out nine times out of ten is because you haven't communicated with the government in the first place so you really do want to make sure if you're getting love letters address them if you're not sure how to address them you need to contact my office and let's set up a case and go ahead and start trying to figure out what's going to be the best way do you Go to single and zero anyway, so you can start having the most come out of your paycheck. And that way, then all refunds will at least apply to the past. And eventually, you'll get this all thing paid off. Um, Or is it better that you, you know, negotiate a payment plan or maybe an offer and compromise? Not everyone is going to qualify for an offer and compromise. We have quite a few offer and compromises that we meet every single week. Out of those, probably one or two. Maybe one, one, two may actually make it to the offer and compromise situation. And then from there, maybe, you know, out of 10 or 20 that we submit, um, maybe only one or two will fully close 
because of other information that comes. So what we do is we do our best to first see, are you going to meet the offer and compromise statistic? If you do, then we can prepare the paperwork and submit it. But what happens in many cases is people get other jobs. They change their profession. They get married. uh, They inherit something. And the offer and compromise process takes just about a year to get through the system. And if something happens within that year that the IRS sees as a potential to them getting more money, they're going to kick out the offer saying you can afford to pay us. And, of course, not everyone even gets it there. If you have a house that has equity, if you have retirement accounts that you can borrow or theoretically have the ability to cash out, even paying taxes, the IRS will say you need to consider these before you do an offer and compromise. Now, we can get some of them taken off. A house with equity is only as good as the person being able to borrow. If you can't borrow because your credit's so bad or you can't afford additional payments, then the IRS, believe it or not, will negotiate on that. Not so much on retirement. So anytime you hear um, something on the 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 news or radio or TV and it says, oh, we, you know, if you have more than $10,000, we will also do something for you, blah, blah, blah. And we can negotiate. We can help you reduce your IRS debt. And then send us $1,500 or send us $500 or whatever. Start making monthly payments. The problem I have with any one of those kind of companies, the first thing they say is basically give us money. And the problem I have with that is what if they really can't do anything? I mean, in many cases, like I say, we see a lot of cases. And in many cases, these people, A, have already hired one of them. And then they've come to us because no action has actually been resolved. And then they're being told by us, oh, yeah, you just paid that company $4,000, $5,000, $6,000. And yet you still have all these taxes you need to file. And you don't qualify because you have equity in your home. So are we getting close to winding down? Um, All right. So um, if you want, you can – why can't I hear the music? Um, You can catch me at 615-367-0819. Again, if you want to join – um, my show, or not join my show, you want to call me next week, 615-367-0819. Check me out on the web, drfriday.com. You can also email, if you've got a question, you don't really want to put it on the radio, the easiest way is just email Friday, that's my first name, like the day of the week, Friday at drfriday.com. Again, Friday at drfriday.com. You can also um, call me, 615-367-0819. It's been a great show. We're going to be here again next Saturday. So hopefully you guys are having a wonderful Saturday out there. If you enjoy that and if you've got questions or if you need help with the IRS, just don't forget you want to give us a call, 615-367-0819. If you need to get the phone number for the gentleman that was on the show, you can also call us again at 615-367-0819. Hope you guys have an awesome Saturday. I'll keep going. Five, four, copulator.